Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our Nirvana Day and Pet Memorial Service. Um, Nirvana Day is a commemoration of the death of Shakyamuni Buddha at the age of 80 years when he reached Nirvana. And the Pet Memorial is where we honor the lives of our beloved animal companions who have passed away. No. Shira, Koga, 
ちょだそかんのんちょだいかんちうじうしゅじゅめうそほしょごんのぶくげどうまけんまんこがちょらいみだそんむびむくこしょじょしゅとくけうけんよこくしょさりやくとくじざいこがちょらいみだそんじぽみょもんぼさしゅむりょしょまじょさんだんいしょしゅじょがんにきじこがちょらいみだそんこんたいほけんちしょけぜんごんしょじょめうだいざおひざじょにょせんのこがちょらいみだそんじっぽしょらいしょぶしけんげんじんずしあんらくせんごそんげんじょくぎょこがちょらいみだそんしょうむじょむがとやくにょすいがんでんよろいしゅせぽむみょじこがちょらいみだそんひそんぶせむあくみょやくむにょにんあくどふしゅにんししんきょひそんこがちょらいみだそんひそんむりょほべんきょむうしょしゅあくちしきおじょふたいしぼだいこがちょらいみだそんがせんひそんくどくじしゅぜんむへんよかいすいしょぎゃくぜんごんしょじょうしゃえせしゅじょうしょ
So um, I hope everyone is doing well as the season is starting to get warmer. You know, I think, um, um, you know, it, it's it's very nice out there. And so yesterday we went out and played outside and, and uh, we went to actually the mall. Uh, and we haven't done that in a long time. And there was a lot of people there at the mall. So um, it was very, it, it was kind of surreal to be back in a place where there's a lot of people. Um, and so that was just a kind of an interesting experience that I had yesterday. But um, uh, today we're uh, observing Nirvana Day, which is the day that uh, Shakyamuni Buddha um, uh, physically passed away, right? And he passed away uh, and entered into what we call Parinirvana when, when his physical body uh, perishes and he enters into Nirvana. And we call that event uh, the Parinirvana, okay? So that's what Nirvana Day is. And so I know sometimes Nirvana Day, Bodhi Day, Hanamatsuri, it's hard to get all these kind of in order, but uh, that is the significance of Nirvana Day. Okay. And today is also the pet memorial service where we remember and reflect on the pets uh, that we had that uh, ha we had the privilege of taking care of uh, over the years. Many of us have had this experience, and I think it's important to take some time in reflecting on these uh, individuals who have impacted our lives in one way or another. Okay. So from a Buddhist standpoint, uh, we have to remember that all things are interconnected, right? And as all things show us the importance of life. So we are a part of everyone else's lives as everyone is, uh, else is a part of ours, okay? So um, people or animals, uh, it is important to see how we are impacting the lives of those around us. When Shakyamuni Buddha, uh, the historical Buddha, lived 2,500 years ago and died underneath the twin shala trees, that's the location where he passed away, um, it is said that not only humans came to, the, to mourn his death, but also animals came to mourn his death as well. Okay, so that is the significance uh, or the connection that we can tie there. So as Buddhists, uh, we should think about this world around us, not just as about humans, um, but also about the life, the other life species that we are coexisting with as well. Okay. Animals each have their own language systems, and we have to understand that just because we don't understand them uh, does not mean they are not intelligent, nor should we think that their existence doesn't matter. And this is why when we care for an animal, uh, we should think of its existence as very, in, uh, very valuable. Equally so, uh, when we take part in meals, okay, where we have taken the lives of various animals, 
we should also show our gratitude, right? Uh, by putting our hands together and saying, itadakimasu. And goshitosama deshita, goshitosama, right? Uh, nowadays, we have a tendency to think that, you know, food is automatic, uh, that it is our right, uh, that we should, it should always be available to us, right? But if history teaches us anything, um, it is that food is never a guarantee. Uh, so we should be grateful of the food that we receive and take time out to recognize uh, this fact and all the efforts that have been made so that we are able to nourish ourselves, okay? That is why we say Animals have had a major impact on who you are right now. If you do sports, for example, your entire career, your entire sports career is based on the backs of a protein-rich diet, diet uh, much of which consists of animals that you consume, right? Just FYI. Uh, but so even plant life too, right? Even plant life, we have to be grateful for also. Grains, beans, rice, and all these things too as well. <clears throat> but today, let us focus on, on animals, okay? So in order to show the impact uh, that animals can have on us, I'd like to read the uh, Dharma story, uh, Dharma school, uh, a story, okay? And the book I want to show today is My, My Pet Wants a Pet. Uh, uh, by Elise Broach, okay? So I'm going to go ahead and read this story to everyone. It's a very cute little story. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is a little bit hoarse today to read the story. My pet wants a pet, okay? Of course, problems. Okay, here we go. All right. Okay, so once there was a boy who wanted something to take care of, something of his very own, okay? He begged and he begged. And he begged his mother until, what do you know? She said, yes. The boy loved his puppy. He fed him and played with him and cuddled him in his arms. The puppy loved his boy. He licked him and jumped on him and fell asleep in his lap. They had the best time together, the boy and his pet. Such a good time, in fact, that the puppy decided he too wanted a pet. The boy's mother thought this was a terrible idea. The puppy is your pet, she said. He does not need a pet. But the boy understood that the puppy wanted something to take care of, something of his very own. And so the puppy got a kitten, a furry orange kitten. Truth be told, the boy was surprised at this choice. Dogs chase cats. He told the puppy, and the puppy did chase the kitten, but only as a game. And afterward, he let her eat from his bowl and play with his ball, and they dozed in the sun side by side. In fact, they got along so well and had so much fun together that it wasn't long before the kitten herself wanted a pet. When the boy told his mother this, she looked at him like he was crazy. That kitten is the pet of your pet. She certainly does not need a pet. But the boy and the puppy <clears throat> understood that the kitten wanted something to take care of, something of her very own. And so the kitten came home one day with a bird, a pretty red bird. Now, once again, this seemed like an odd choice. Cats catch birds, the boy told the kitten. And the kitten did sometimes pounce on the bird, but really it was all in good fun. 
The kitten made sure the bird had water and places to fly and perch. And they got along so well and did so many marvelous things together that soon enough, what do you think? The bird wanted a pet. Now this is getting ridiculous, said the boy's mother. The bird is the pet of the pet of your pet. She does not need a pet. But the boy knew that she did. She really did. So the bird brought home a worm, a little green worm. The boy started to explain that birds eat worms. But then he decided to leave well enough alone. And the bird took such good care of that worm and was so gentle when she carried him and so quick to protect him that before long, guess what? Yes, the word wanted a pet. What? cried the boy's mother. That worm is the pet of the pet of the pet of your pet. He does not need a pet. But the boy knew that even a worm might need something to take care of, something of his very own. And so the worm found a flea. It was a tiny brown flea and it hopped all over the house. Why, the worm had all trouble keeping up with it. But he followed the flea and looked after it and soon they were the best of friends, such good friends in fact, that in, in no time at all, can you imagine what happened next? That's right, the flea wanted a pet. Absolutely not, said the boy's mother. The flea is the pet of the pet of the pet of the pet of your pet. No more pets. But that didn't stop the flea because of course he wanted something to take care of, something of his very own. So the flea decided the puppy would be his pet. Oh, life is wonderful. The boy and the puppy and the kitten and the bird and the worm and the flea were as happy as could be because they all had pets. But there was someone, a special and important someone, who wasn't happy. She wasn't happy at all. Now the boy and the puppy and the kitten and the bird and the worm and the flea were a little bit worried, right? None of them wanted to give up their pets. What were they going to do? The boy thought about this for a long time. And then he had an idea. His mother needed something to take care of, something of her very own. Because whenever you take care of something, that something takes care of you. So that is the story of this uh, uh, story. I forget the title already. Okay, my pet wants a pet. So when we get uh, from what we get can get from this story is that uh, when we take care of the animal, yes, we are allowing the animal to live. We give the animal food, warmth, and shelter, a loving home. Right? It's very easy for us to think that we are doing something for this animal. We are taking care of the animal, right? But we eventually come to understand in time that in fact, we are actually being taken care of by the animal. We are being raised and nurtured by the animal. Let's say your pet does something wrong, like pees in the house or something, right? And you get really mad and, and throw a, rid of, uh, uh, a fit of rage, right? And what that pet is showing you is how easily irritated you can get and short-tempered of a nature that you might actually have. Right? Or let's say you're feeling really sad and you spend time with your pet and you suddenly feel a little bit better. You are learning the power of just being together with someone. There are so many things we learn about ourselves by taking care of an animal. As a parent, when you take care of your child or children, actually we're learning much about ourselves, right? In this mutual relationship. There's that popular phrase, you know, when a child is born at the same time, a father is born right? or a mother is born. So the relationship is one of mutual dependency. It's never the case that you're doing the favor by taking care of someone. We are always being cared for by the things we take care of. 
And that's just not, that's not just for animate things, right? Uh, like people or animals. It's also for things too, right? As I mentioned over and over again, right? Um, like I mentioned the baseball mitt from before. If you take care of the baseball mitt or baseball glove, right? You will learn that you learn baseball and the skills that come with that sport because of this baseball mitt, right? So when you understand this, you wouldn't just throw this baseball mitt around when you're done with it, right? You would take care of it. You would put it in a place of prominence or, or a secure place, right? You would treat it with great care and respect, right? That's what a Buddhist does, okay? Today, through our pet memorial service, we learn uh, that we are who we are right now in large part because of the things and people and animals around us or our pets around us. So I'd like to invite you to think about pets, your pets who have passed away and think about a time that they have taught you something about life. Their passing itself, in itself, is a lesson, right? Uh, a lesson of, of the impermanence of life and that we should cherish our lives right here and now. But most of all, what we should keep in mind is that our pets are showing us that all beings are embraced in Amida Buddha's great compassion. And this is why we should put our hands together in Gasho for this wonderful Buddha Dharma that embraces all beings. Okay. So with that, I would like to uh, close today's Dharma School message. Thank you very much. Please join me in Gasho. Namo Amida Butsu. Namo Amida Butsu. Namo Amida Thank you very much. Thank you, Sensei. I love that story. Yeah, it's a great yes. story, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's very good. All right. I'll now read our pledge in English, and then Sensei will read it in Japanese. Our pledge. Breaking out of my shell, I will share a warm smile and speak gentle words, just like the kind Buddha. Not becoming lost in my greed, anger, and ignorance, I shall think and act with an open mind, just like the calm and peaceful Buddha. Not putting myself first, I will share in the joy and sadness of others, just like the compassionate Buddha. Realizing the gift of life I have received, I shall strive to live each day to its fullest, like the Buddha who tirelessly works to liberate all. No mommy don'ts.私たちの誓い一つ自分の殻に閉じこもることなく穏やかな顔と優しい言葉を大切にします。微笑み語りかける仏様のように。一つ、むさぼり怒り、愚かさに流されず、しなやかな心と振る舞いを心がけます。心安
Those who reach the pure land of happiness return to this evil world of the five defilements where, like the Buddha Shakyamuni, they benefit sentient beings without limit. Namo Amida Buts. Namo Amida Buts. Namo Amida Buts. Namo Amida Buts. So I, I'm sorry about the, the condition of the internet. I'm not sure if I'm, I'm cutting in and out, but uh, there's something going on here because I, I sometimes it stops uh, like uh, partway through in the videos and stuff like that. So um, uh, if you could just bear with me, I don't know what's going on with the internet today. Thank you very much. So um, I'd like to continue on with the adult message today. Uh, I know that it's uh, Super Bowl Sunday, so I'll try to keep it keep keep it short. <laughs> and so, uh, I, um, but I wanted to talk today about some things that I've been seeing kind of on the on the news. Um, and lately, there's been a lot going on about you know this this whole Russia Ukraine uh, incident uh, problem, and uh, we see that the U.S. is is sending kind of equipment and even forces out to nearby areas uh, to maintain support. Uh, for uh, Ukraine. And it, I, my purpose intention is not to talk too much about politics, but um, one of the things that I, I noticed, you know, is that the Ukrainian president saying that, although, you know, tensions are high, that, you know, we should err on the side of calm, right, and, and patience. And we see the citizens, you know, saying that, you know, the Russian threat, you know, has been, you know, has been always there, you know, so this is just another Tuesday for me, you know, and, and so, um, you know, you know, this, this is just my opinion, um, but it, it seems like, you know, uh, when we look at our government and the news here, we seem to be kind of, uh, you know, blowing things, you know, out of proportion a little bit, uh, you know, and uh, we're kind of like in those situations where, you know, if there's like a school fight, you know, there's, a, there's that one kid that always tries to hype it up, you know, that tries to say, oh, they're going to fight, they're going to fight, right, and tries to tell everybody, right, and tries, tries to egg it on, right, um, and so I, I feel like we are hyping things uh, uh, up way more than they need to be as well, and, uh, you know, like, uh, like, like, it's almost uh, like we want to see a fight happen or take place because of all this COVID business that got us, you know, kind of bored of life, right, and so we want to see some kind of excitement or something like that. So, you know, one of the things that I learned in my history class is that um, the best way to unify a country is to find an, a common enemy, right? And in many respects, our country is divided on so many issues that it almost seems kind of scripted that we're trying to find an enemy uh, uh, so that we don't kill ourselves here at home, right? And so, you know, I, I think I know that I, I don't know if it's intentional or, you know, who's behind doing what is whether it's the government or the media that's doing this or the, you know, the arms dealers, but I just kind of get this sense. And, uh, and I'm, I'm very wary of this, you know, Russia Ukrainian issue, uh, and how we are kind of hyping it up uh, uh, too much. And, you know, I feel like we're being pushed into endorsing a war that we don't really, really know what, what we want are out there and the reasons for going to war. 
But anyway, that's about all I know about this issue. I don't really, I really want to go too much into politics, but I do kind of want to point out um, that this recurring pattern of trying to find a common enemy to hate is a age old trick of manipulating the masses to do the will of you know, the rich and the powerful. And I think we've come to a point in our history where we don't know how to define what it is to be American. You know, uh, we have so many definitions or so many people trying to define what it is to be American, but nothing really solid that everybody can agree on. So we try to define it by trying to define what we are not. Right. And uh, in this case, we are not Russian or the old communist country, right? Uh, our old Cold War enemy. So it, it seems a little bit like our political leadership is trying to get us to band together for a common cause of fighting a common enemy, so to speak. Right? But this kind of uh, forceful defining of who we are only leads to death, destruction, and more confusion, I believe. Uh, trying to find who we are in this way is not only lazy, uh, but I think it's also destructive. Uh, it's a destructive attempt at haphazardly trying to find our true selves. We point the finger at other people, you know, and blame them for our insecurities uh, because we think that they are the source of our problems. But the real problem is this self, right? This kokoro. Not knowing who we are is essentially this identity crisis. And identity crisis means we have not resolved this issue of the self. And this is where Buddhism, I believe, comes into play. Because Buddhism is a religion of introspection, right? Introspection. It's a hard word for just saying reflection on the self, right? Reflecting on this self. That's what the purpose of Buddhism is. Buddhism is not about demanding its followers to follow a certain political agenda or a certain political party. Buddhism's ultimate goal is not about solving social ills and the issues of society. This religion can be used to inform us of possible solutions and approaches to social ills and social problems in society, but the real purpose of Buddhism is, is actually not for these things. If we take a look back at Shakyamuni Buddha's life, Shakyamuni Buddha lived and walked this earth 2,500 years ago. And what he was concerned about was only one thing, his mortality, his own death. Okay? Buddhism is about resolving the issue of one's inevitable death, which essentially means the issue of, suffer uh, the issue of suffering in general. Okay? So he also knew that if he did not resolve the issue of why he himself suffered, then he would not be able to solve the issue of suffering for all sentient beings. And what this means then is that Buddhism is about finding a path to resolve the issue of the meaning of one's life. In other words, Buddhism is a path to come to understand and accept this self and that this body will someday perish. Many schools of Buddhism will provide people with a specific path to find that, right? such as through sitting meditation or through chanting a certain sutra repetitiously over and over again, right? In our tradition, we provide the path to find and come to the truth through, uh, of the self through the onembutsu or nembutsu teaching. Okay? The onembutsu is the calling voice of true reality that connects us to this world of absolute truth. And when we understand that true reality is in fact the principle of infinite wisdom and compassion, shinjitsu no chie to jihi, right? the working of Amida Buddha, we come to find our true self. Okay? 
And I'd like to show you a picture that is poorly drawn, but I hope uh, it will show you kind of what I'm talking about um, here. Okay, so I'm gonna go ahead and share with you. Okay, great. So in this uh, picture, we have uh, um, uh, people uh, here on the station, all station beings. And this, uh, this world of undercurrent of, of great life is the Buddha, okay? And the Buddha is calling out to us with the Nembutsu. And when we hear this Nembutsu, as this person's ear gets bigger, we hear the calling voice of true reality. And true reality is this great, we call it great life, the undercurrent that connects all lives together. And this is uh, Amida Buddha's working, right? And this is the world of infinite wisdom and compassion, we call it. That, that, that world of true reality calls out to us through the Onembutsu, Namo Amida Butsu. Okay, so that's our way to uh, understand this. So uh, when we realize that the world of absolute truth exists, then we establish a firm spiritual grounding where we can express ourselves and live as freely as we want. The reason is because we are no longer lost, meandering through life, trying to find what truth is. Now we find truth in everything and everything that we do. We find truth in our professions, be it a doctor or a teacher or a carpenter, or a cook or a professional you know, sports player. We find truth in our relationships with other people, with our children, with our friends, with our pets. We find truth in simply living we, 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 by, by taking a walk through nature, by reading a book, by having a fun time socializing and drinking with our friends, right? Wherever we go, whatever we do, there is truth right there speaking to us, being with us, embracing us. In fact, when you say Namo Amidabutsu, did you know that the Buddha is coming out of your mouth, right? Every time you say the Onembutsu, Imagine that there is a Buddha coming out of your mouth because that is what is happening. And I'd like to show you a really uh, interesting picture that helps to show this. So I'd like to show you two pictures here. This is one of them. Okay, this is Kuya, uh, Kuya Shonin. Kuya lived in 10th century uh, Japan. So this is before Shina Shonin's time, but he was an avid uh, uh, Nembutsu practitioner. Okay, and so um, uh, <clears throat> Kuya was known as uh, Ichi Hijiri, Ichi Hijiri, which means um, he would walk through the city streets and he would, you know, say the Nembutsu very loudly and he would encourage other people to, um, to, uh, to join in, in, in praising Amida Buddha and, 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 and have faith in Amida Buddha. So out of his mouth there, what is, what is being depicted here is the Buddhas coming out of his mouth, right? Very interesting uh, picture. This, this, uh, this uh, sculpture is still in existence today, okay? So this is literally the Buddhas that are, that are coming out of his mouth when he says, Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. So just as this picture shows, the recitation of the name is truth emerging from your mouth. It is not the case that, you know, when you say Namo Amidabutsu, that you somehow become holy or you become a Buddha right then and there, or that, you know, you become some kind of saint or, or these kinds of things. But it means that a bombu, as an ordinary foolish person, Truth emerges from our utterance of the name. This is the inconceivable working, we call it, of Amida Buddha's great wisdom and compassion. Simply put, it's truth emerging out of our mouths. So in conclusion, then, 
it, it won't matter how many bombs we drop on some far off land. It won't matter how many enemies we create, however many wars we go into. It won't matter however many people we subjugate and tell them how to live their lives according to our abstract standards of living. We will never resolve the issue of suffering unless we first no, address this self. So Buddhism is, is and, and always has been. Buddhism always will be a religion of introspection, introspection, resolving the problem of this heart. Resolving this problem of the heart is the key to working towards true and lasting peace and happiness for all sentient beings. Okay. That is what uh, this teaching is, is about. Okay. So with that, I would like to uh, close today. Uh, uh, and please join me in Gasho. Those who reach the pure land of happiness return to this evil world of the five defilements where, like the Buddha Shakyamuni, they benefit sentient beings without limit. Namo Amida Buddha. Namo Amida Buddha. Namo Amida Listen. Listen to the voice of the Dharma. Listen to the birds singing in the morning, the wind sighing in the boughs overhead, and the roar of the waves on the beach. Listen to the rain on the roof and the snow falling in the fields. The Dharma speaks to us through the sounds of the world, forcefully and eloquently and beautifully. It speaks of the unending change around us, the immutable truth of interdependence and the peace in nature. Do we have the ears to hear and listen? Listen to the Nembutsu and the Hondo. Listen to the noble silence of the Buddha. And this was by Reverend Kenji Suji. Namo Bhagavatam.